0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the OS Training Podcast. My name is Steve Burge. I'm the CEO here at OS Training. And in this podcast series, we talk with people who have had a really interesting career in open source. Today's guest is Andy Miller, and he is a perfect example of that. His career has spanned from working on big corporate website platforms to being one of the founders of the Joomla project to being the Founder of Rocket Theme, which was the first company to really sell commercial WordPress and Joomla themes and templates. And over the last few years, he has dabbled in all sorts of different platforms from Drupal to Magento to PHP BB3 to Joomla and to WordPress. And perhaps as a result of all that learning, he now has created his own website platform called Grav taking the best bits of all the platforms that he's used. It's a really interesting interview, delving back uh, 10 or 15 years into the open source space and also moving forward to what Andy's working on and what the future of web development is gonna look like. Hey Andy, welcome to the OS Training Podcast.
1: Hi, hey Steve.
0: Hey Andy, I guess if I had to describe your involvement in open source, I'd probably just describe you as a as an OG. You've been around open source for, for a long time now, right? You're um, you've w- one of the original founders of Joomla. You're one of the founders of the Grav project now. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's been a, it's quite a few years. It, it, it's kind of weird when you, when you s- sort of step back and think about it because it's not something that, that you do on a day-to-day basis. But yeah, I guess I have been around for, for quite a while, probably 10 plus years. Well, okay, you
0: you confuse me a little bit. You are a, a British guy. And you went to college in Florida. And you live in Colorado. Uh, how does that all work out?
1: Well, I like to travel. <laughs> okay. Um, no, the in the real answer is that my dad um, got transferred from from the UK to to work in south florida because his area where he was covering for his job was um latin america and the caribbean so he just sort of picked up the family uh when i was 15 and um we just all moved to south florida so that was you know quite a transition coming from uh from the uk but um you know the, the the whole family just has stayed here you know my sister's still in florida so are my parents um, and i've you know i'm now a, a u.s uh, citizen as well as a as a uh, uk citizen so i have the dual citizenship which is which is nice um but i live here in the states and um you know i wouldn't really want to live too many other places um except for maybe in the UK again, because I do miss it.
0: <laughs> well, we've talked to a few people on this podcast that have started off in really different careers. Some of them have been uh, airline pilots. Some of them have been nurses and had all sorts of other careers. But you've always struck me as someone that's been a 100% tech head. You're um, big Formula One fan, uh, yeah. big Apple fan. Um, you went to college and did a computer science degree
1: yeah um I've been you know involved in uh computers since I was in England actually um probably eleven years old um zx eight eighty one was my first computer and um after that I had a BBC micro which is a very English computer I don't know if you know oh they uh, had um
0: uh, a really popular game of cricket of all things on it right? um and
1: I never ba- had the cricket game, but I had um a lot of those um, adventure games, um, things like, um, oh, Wolf Lore I think it was called or something. I'm trying to remember the names of them now. Oof.
0: Little text adventure games?
1: No, they were graphics, but they were very poor, uh, poor graphics. I, I remember I had one called Frack, which was like this caveman with a yo-yo that was pretty fun.
0: You had to put a cassette in there?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, I didn't have a disc until, um... Until my first PC, which was a Tandy a Tandy 1000, but um, yeah, so I've been doing you know programming and playing with computers since um, as far back as I can remember, really. Um, and I've always been—I wasn't sure that it would be my career. I had actually planned on doing architecture originally. Um, I was pretty good at that because I am sort of technical and like to draw straight lines and things like that you know
0: there's probably quite a lot of skill overlap between architecture and um, and what you're doing now you need kind of the big picture idea of how things are going to fit together you need a, yeah. an artistic mindset allied yeah. to a technical mindset
1: yeah that's kind of where the whole um you know theming thing came from that was that was the part that i was always drawn to was what's the ui and the melding of of um, of the front end and the back end. So I've always been a developer with an eye for design. Um, I wouldn't call myself a designer per se, but um, I do know what what looks good. And um, you know, so I, I was always doing um, you know, if I was uh, to write like a like a little computer game, I would always focus on the graphics first, (laughs) because I really wanted it to look good. And then, you know, the programming uh, would come kind of behind that. And I've always sort of done that um, through college when I was doing projects. I always focused a lot on the UI aspects as well as the code parts. And um, I know that was always kind of fascinating to me.
0: So you've owned your own businesses and started your own projects, but immediately after college, you went to work for...
1: Uh, Hewlett-Packard? No, I actually went to work for Exxon. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was hired um, from college as the corporate webmaster for Exxon. So that was a bit of a shock, going to work for this huge multinational Fortune 100 company Actually, it was like Fortune 1 at the time. It was like the top of the list. Wait, is um,
0: is that title quite as prestigious as it sounds? You were the corporate webmaster for
1: Exxon? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a scary thing is they had um, no experience with those technologies. They hadn't had a new hire in probably 10 years when I went to work there. And I'm talking in the technical department here uh, for Exxon. So, yeah, I was in charge of... um, managing you know the firewall um the corporate website the proxy servers you know access to the internet and things were very limited back then like you had to have um you know approval to be able to access the internet it wasn't uh, a thing that everyone in the company could do there was like uh, trial groups and things that were allowed to access it and uh, i mean obviously things advanced but that was back at the start of of um of their journey to get onto the internet you know they didn't have a website prior to that really i think it was a one pager or something like that but um yeah so i was sort of in charge of all that stuff but i didn't last too long um mainly because of of the corporate nature it's not really uh compatible with the way that i like to work i like to be doing things i want to do um not being told what to do um And the other thing is also is they had one of these, um, corporate sort of, um, uh, planning sort of, you know, career planning classes that they sent us all to. And I went to that class and you take a whole bunch of sort of tests and you do these sort of role plays and things like that. And then they determine where in the company you're going to fit. And basically I came out so far on the right hand side technical that they basically said, we don't have a position for you <laughs> at this company, except for this one guy that's the technical sort of, um, um, you know, the, the person that they refer to for any kind of technical questions. And there's only one person in the company, and he's in that job already. So I basically were like, well, I'm not going to sit around here until he retires. So I, I basically left at that point, and went to work at some startup companies.
0: Wow, so Exxon really really didn't care about their website at all. They thought it was enough for one person to be in charge and we have a second technical person capable of looking after the website. Well, they really we didn't know a...
1: at the time, you know, ab- about the importance of a website. You know, it was really just a, 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 like a purely just a marketing exercise. Um, and it was it was a team of people, but I was sort of the, the technical person. Um, and then there was a design company that I used to go and, Talk to. And it was mainly, you know, JPEGs and, and things. There wasn't even a whole lot of content. It was more just kind of a, a visual thing.
0: So, how did you end up getting off this corporate career path and into open source?
1: Well, it was kind of a long path. Um, after Exxon, I worked for some startup companies um, doing, you know, web development, obviously. Um, that Primarily at that time, it was Java based. I had done my my, my senior project at a um, uh, university um, in Java back when it was brand new. Um, there was no documentation, so I'd been around uh, Java since the start of the of the language. Um, so I was mainly doing Java work, and that led to some open source projects um, that you know we were using, like Struts. Um, you know back that was. That was a, a pretty neat uh, framework for Java development, and um, so I was exposed to it that way. Um, and the, you know, just at just at different um, companies and uh, projects, we were using uh, uh, different open source projects, and uh, you know, I just got sort of fam- familiar with them. And then um, at some point, I was uh, developing themes for uh, PHP. Um, CMS, a uh, uh, post nuke and um, PHP nuke, which were early predecessors to to the modern CMSs that that you know, we use today. But I was doing themes and releasing those as 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 open source themes. So that was my first foray into theming too, and that's eventually how I found Mambo because I was looking for a, for a, a better CMS platform than post nuke. Which, which worked fine, but it was just so inconsistent with all the different plugins and and things. It was just kind of a mess. And then, um, you know, I came across Mambo, and it was m- much more unified in in how it looked, and it looked much more professional than all the other platforms at the time, and I just started creating themes for that.
0: Yeah, you, you not only designed themes, but if my memory serves correctly, you were heavily involved in some of the user interfaces creating some of the admin designs for early versions of mambo and then what became joomla
1: yeah um i kind of joined the mambo team uh working on on uh, the admin just polishing it really because it already had a pretty decent admin at the time but it it just needed some some polish and some sort of you know modernization um so that's sort of how I started on, on, on the Mambo team, and then when that, um, you know, we forked off and did Joomla, um, I took on more. I was doing, like, I designed the, um, you know, the original uh, Joomla websites, which were actually um, based on existing themes that I had, and I just sort of modified them because we needed stuff quickly at that time. I did the themes for things like, um, like the forum. Uh, which was sort of new to me because that was at the time, I think, in SMF. Um, oh,
0: that was uh, Simple Machines Forum. Yeah, for... Simple
1: Machines. Um, so I did the theme for that. I was doing themes for the Forge, for the original Forge that, that Joomla used to use. Um, and I was doing all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, working with the with the logo and the mark and the um, and the branding. Uh, doing you know <laughs> creating stuff for conferences, you know, banners, all kinds of stuff like that. Um,
0: You're pretty prolific for someone that claims not to be a designer.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I like to dabble. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was doing a lot of that stuff, but, you know, I, I was doing it because, um, you know, we needed the help and, and there was no one else, I guess. But, uh, you know, I definitely would, you know, you, you know, bow my head to a talented um, a designer and let them take over for sure. Um, but I was doing what I could.
0: So you were heavily involved in the in the Mambo core, and then that became the Joomla core. Tell me about the origins of Rocket Theme. If I remember right, you started a a a site by a similar name. Was it Mambo Dev?
1: Yeah, it was um, originally um, a, just a sort of a company that I started to do. Um, sort of custom work for people, you know, people that needed a custom theme. So I started a Mambo dev doing sort of custom themes, and it got to the point where I was sort of rehashing a lot of themes. Uh, And I was like, this is a lot of work. And I actually had a full-time job at the time, and this was totally on the side, you know, when I came home from work. Um, And I was like, instead of me doing these custom themes every time, why don't I just create some themes and sell them? Um, so, you know, Mambo Dev started as the first um, theme company, and I was just doing a simple sort of PayPal payment system, and it was really rudimentary. Um, and then the whole sort of Joomla thing happened, and I was like, well, I can't go around with a Mambo Dev as a company name; it doesn't make any sense now we're Joomla. So, I said I'm going to pick a name that's, um, ag- you know, agnostic to the to the platform in case the name changes again. So um, I just went with Rocket Theme, and that basically was a continuation of the Mambo Dev Club. It just rebranded under Rocket Theme, and it just kind of grew from there. Um, and it got to the point where I was spending so much time on, on uh, Rocket Theme, you know, just maintaining it, developing themes, supporting, that I I had to quit my, my day job, which at that time was uh, Hewlett Packard. Which um, which I enjoyed, but it just wasn't really what I wanted to do long term. So you know, Rocket Theme was um, you know self sufficient at that time, so I could afford to just switch over and and do Rocket Theme full time, and it just slowly grew from there. I just started hiring people as we needed them, and um, yeah, just you know, just became my life for that time.
0: I- I know you're a modest guy so i'm going to make a uh, a fairly big claim on your behalf um, am i right in thinking the rocket theme was probably the the company that started really the whole industry of selling themes and templates under the gpl um you're certainly the first i can remember and i remember seeing other companies such as WooThemes themes saying that they were really inspired by you and what you were doing at Rocket Theme. Were you pretty much the first to actually sell themes in that way?
1: Um, I'm not sure if we were the first. We were certainly one of the leading companies. Um, We might've been the first, I don't really know. The whole um, uh, GPL uh, theming question came around during the early days of Joomla. Obviously, you know, WordPress were kind of going through similar, um, you know, a similar time where they're questioning how to, how to handle commercial themes when the platform itself is, you know, GPL. Um, so we were obviously very, cognizant of this and paying attention to it and then trying to work out, okay, how can we do this? So it's, so it, it helps the community. It's, it's, it's still, um, follows the guidelines of the license we're not breaking any rules or anything and it's fair and you know so uh, that whole process was was quite stressful but what came out of it i think was um you know this you know sort of dual licensing um, situation where parts of the theme are gpl because they're compiled in code and php and then other parts which are sort of standalone requests like css and and uh JavaScript and things like that could be licensed under a different license and everything's technically playing nicely together um you know and you know, there is a risk in that when you're trying to sell something that is effectively open source uh at least major parts of it that your um, a business can just be sort of ripped away from you by people just taking it and reselling it and obviously we did have um and we do to this day still have quite a bit of problems with people just you know taking our themes and redistributing them for free um obviously we get you know nothing back for those uh you, you just have to trust people that you know that there will be enough people that are honest and will pay for for the work um to like enable the the company to to survive um for the most part that's that's worked out and i think other companies um you know there's certainly been some um very public uh i don't know discussions (laughs) spats disputes or whatever in the wordpress community especially um some some very uh well publicized kind of um you know falling outs between major theme companies and and the and the comp- and 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 the core of the actual project that they're developing themes for. Um, that never really happened too much in the Joomla world, um, but it certainly did happen in the WordPress world.
0: Um, you, yeah, from what I remember, you were you were very heavily involved in those dis- uh, discussions about how to implement the GPL because you were really the leading edge in terms of.
1: But there certainly was, the yeah, I mean, there certainly was, you know, like, you know, you know, that sort of aspect where we wanted to make sure that Joomla and its community of third party uh, developers um, continued t- to thrive together. Because one of the of the reasons why Joomla was so successful, especially in its early days, uh, was there was a thriving community of, uh, of uh, developers. Um and commercial developers at that, because you can't have a you know have an open source project that's 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 going to survive long term unless there are other companies around that are going to provide services that the open source project itself cannot provide. Um, you know, development services um, in some form or another. You know, the actual you know more advanced plugins that that require a lot of development time, or or themes, or even just custom work. Um, so companies sort of have to be able to survive around the project itself. Um, and you know, we wanted to make sure that we didn't ostracize, uh, you know, the Joomla uh, developer community. And I think that that was obviously it's, it's, it's history of, you know, you can look back and you can see, you know, some of the, of the problems that the Joomla project had with that, communicating that at the start, um, and, and for a few years after after Joomla was was born there was quite a bit of um, a dispute between commercial developers and the Joomla project but not not you know aggressive but there was confusion and, and some and some anger in places um, but overall I, it, it could have been a lot worse
0: and there was a lot of um, quite a bit of success around in the Joomla ecosystem when it first launched in I guess 2006, 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember hear some, hearing some stories about Rocket Theme doing uh, doing really well. Um, even possibly, and my memory may be failing me on this, um, like some venture capital companies sniffing around.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's quite common in a lot of um, you know startup companies. As soon as a, a startup company is somewhat successful, you're going to get some interest from for some from some venture capital companies that want to come in and you know be, take advantage of that you know you try and get a slice of that pie um i think there were quite a lot of uh, joomla based companies that were very successful back then um you know it it, it 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 got to be very competitive um which i think was really good for joomla and really good for the uh, for the end users because there was a lot of competition there was a bit of an arms race, especially when it came to themes, um, every month, every theme company was trying to one up each other, which meant that we were doing stuff that, um, no one else was really doing. You know, we were at the forefront really of a lot of, you know, uh, web design and, uh, web development, uh, technologies. We were pushing the, you know, pushing the barriers of what CSS could do at the time. And, um, you know it, it, it was quite exciting and quite fun um
0: you, you um you were one of those companies that almost every time i looked for a new product there'd be something fresh that'd be a new a new css implementation some parallax that'd be yeah. uh, there's quite a lot of new css features that i probably saw for the first time in a yeah. rocket theme design
1: yeah we were constantly on the lookout for you know like for new things for fun things for different ways of tackling things like I know that you know we were one of the first companies to really push a lot of the transparent kind of techniques um, you know uh, back when when that was popular or or was starting to become popular you know we were doing CMS themes with transparency which was not easy back then because transparency required layers and layers of like um, transparent PNGs and there were a lot of side effects. This was back before we had the CSS that allowed you to do opacity and things like that. So we were doing a lot of sort of workarounds to get these effects and coming up with some with some neat solutions um, and having them available in a in a CSS theme. And uh, I mean a CMS theme. Um, uh, you know, people don't re- you know realize the uh, doing a theme like a generic theme for a CMS is a lot harder than doing a custom theme for a client because if, for a client you know exactly what you need you know the spacing like you know the positions of everything how how much content is going to go here here and here but for a CMS theme for the kind of themes that we do um, they have to be adaptable and configurable and be able to be worked over in all you know different ways and you know what happens if 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 this particular um, you know module is not published then this has to still look good and All of these things it it just makes the whole thing much more complicated and um you know the more things you add the more complexity um you know just increases so it got to the point where we were adding so much stuff to these themes that it was becoming unmanageable which is sort of where the whole theming frameworks sort of sprung up from because it just got to be too much work every month developing these things from from scratch, effectively.
0: So as um, as Rocket Theme developed, you did Joomla, obviously, but then you started to add more platforms. You added WordPress, then yeah. Magento, then uh, Drupal, then mm-hmm. PHP BB3.
1: Yeah, not necessarily in that order, but uh, you know, we did have all those platforms. It started off because we would be getting requests from our, our existing uh, Joomla users saying well they're you know joomla shop but they have this particular project that they want to do or the client wants to do in in wordpress or the client wants to do it in drupal uh but they really want to use this theme so we were you know we just got that request again and again and again and eventually we we said okay you know there's probably enough people here that this makes sense so we'll put the effort in and start developing themes for this platform um so yeah um, you, you know we did You know, you know, foray into into other platforms. Some didn't work out, like uh, Drupal, for example, really didn't work out. I think it's more a fact that the people that were using themes, it's a different sort of user group from from Joomla. Um, And most people that are doing custom sites for Drupal are sort of web shops, and they're used to doing their themes, you know, from scratch. So the market wasn't as large as in the Joomla community, where a lot of people are just users and they're developing their own sites. Um, that's not really the user group for for a Drupal, for example. Um, WordPress is more similar to a Joomla in in that way. Um, that there's a lot of a, there's a lot more of a broader a broader audience for themes and um, obviously that still survives to this day. So so um, a WordPress has, has worked out for us, where Drupal did not.
0: So you've tried all sorts of different things, a whole bunch of different platforms, um, and you're mainly focused on uh, Joomla and WordPress today with the, the known platforms, but you've also started to develop your own platform as well, right?
1: Yeah, so this actually started about three years ago, and um, I was looking to do a blog for, um, you know, for myself, a personal blog, and um, I didn't really want to do it in Joomla or WordPress. I was looking for something much simpler, and so I was attracted to these uh, flat file CMSs and even um, um static file generators. Um, but I was thinking that a flat file CMS would probably fit me better because I do like having the capability of doing, you know, dynamic functionality on the website and not just be it have it be purely static um and i just started looking around um seeing what was out there and there wasn't really a platform that fit the bill you know of having the capabilities that i wanted being open source having a flexible license uh, having a community behind it um i had a whole list of things that i wanted and i just i thought for sure i'd be able to find it because there were tons of options but just nothing really came close to checking all the boxes so i thought you know how hard could this be it's a static you know i mean it's it's a it's a static file based cms um i could just whip this up myself so i sort of worked on a little pet project that i was you know i was sort of doing after Work hours, and in about a week, I had a prototype uh, that would take Markdown files and render it through Twig, and you know, have some uh, YAML configuration. Um, and I thought, yeah, that wasn't too bad. That was pretty easy. It only took me a week. Um, and then I just sort of started, you know, building on top of it, and I just started realizing how much I had to go. <laughs> you know, you know how much more stuff that was missing that I really wanted. So. I just sort of kept on adding stuff to it um, or creating plugins because the whole sort of concept of uh, Grab at the beginning was to keep the core really minimal and it's still that way uh, today. But um, you know, have it being extended by plugins and just sort of built it. And as I was extending it, and I was having some of the Rocket Theme guys you know, chip in and help me out, and I was telling people about it, and uh, they were getting excited and they were, you know, you know when can i try a beta when can i try a beta so i sort of put my you know my focus into trying to get a grab into a a, a beta state and um and the word was just sort of getting out and people were asking about it and it just sort of got popular during that whole um, uh, beta phase and and then we had a release and it got picked up on like product hunt and um you know some uh, designer web news sites and. And The word just got out, and it just got popular. It was crazy. Um, so I've been mainly focusing on that the past two years. Well, past three years, really. Uh, putting a lot of time into that, supporting it. You know, I still, you know, go through the forums and the GitHub issues and, and our Slack channel, and I'm very involved. Um, as are the other guys that are, you know, core contributors. Um, yeah, it's a fun project. It reminds me of uh, Joomla back in in the early days. You know, it's the, there's a lot of excitement from people using it. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, I remember talking with you maybe two or three years ago when you were mm-hmm. first into it, and um, you said you'd felt kind of burned out before Grav came along. That Grav had kind of given you a, a second burst of energy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it really started off as you know being a um, uh, you know developed as a solution for my own. Projects and then it it just sort of morphed into something a bit more and um, the way it is today it's capable of handling you know small to medium sized sites and there's pretty much nothing you can throw against it that it can't handle um, it's because it's so flexible um, which is refreshing because it has a bit of a different outlook than than traditional CMSs and I have you know blogged about this a little bit in the past but um, it's sort of not a traditional CMS in that, you know, theme sort of skin the CMS and your content sort of fits inside of that CMS. And y- you have to sort of adapt your design and, and, and your, your development strategy to align with the CMS that you're using. Uh, Grav is much more fluid in that basically the theme and the content have a much sort of tighter relationship and, um, so the theme, in without its its content specifically sort of written for the theme, is somewhat useless. Um, so you can't sort of just write your content in the CMS and then stick any theme that you want on it because the theme really d- it defines what what the whole thing looks like. It's it's just much more flexible so that you can create sites that are. Um, like look for documentation for example we have a very popular theme which we use for our own documentation on grab and also on gantry documentation and lots of other people have used it too for documentation Um, it just really works but it it's it's built that theme is built specifically for documentation so it has no support for handling like a blog or or anything else like that it's just built for documentation and the content needs to be in that structure Um, but You know it's a little bit of of a different paradigm for people but at the same time it makes grav really flexible and really a joy to use because you could have a client come to you and say hey we want to do this and i know without even blinking that i'm going to have no trouble recreating that uh, design from uh, grav whereas if i was thinking about it from uh you know a joomla wordpress drupal more traditional cms i'd have to think okay that piece i could do as a module this piece will have to be the content area i'm not sure how i'm going to handle this piece because it sort of floats outside of the content area but it's directly tied to content you know i would have to create a custom component or something to handle that you know it's like it's a completely different mindset you you're trying to make the the design and the content fit the platform on those old systems or those older more established systems whereas the grav is just so much more fluid you just say Okay, I can do it one of like 10 ways, and I'll just pick the way that suits the client the best. Um, which is really refreshing. It really makes the whole web development process fun again. Um, and at the beginning, I was really having fun, you know, creating websites again, which I'd sort of been burnt out on in the past. I was like, oh, another website. I just can't face it. Um, but yeah, now it's now it's good.
0: So, if someone is completely new to Grav, knows nothing about it, maybe comes from a a WordPress, Drupal, uh, Joomla, whatever background, what would you immediately start off by telling them about Grav? What are the the big advantages about Grav compared to a traditional database driven kind of that whole 2003, 2004 Mm. era of platforms that uh, many of us are used to?
1: There's a lot of pros. You know there are some cons, like 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 I'll throw out the cons first. If you have a very large site, and I'm talking, you know, thousands and thousands of pages of content, then Grav probably is not going to be what you're looking for. Um, if you have that amount of content, you really need some sort of a database to manage the relationships between all that content. Um, Grav is file-based so there are a lot of um, benefits of that so th- for example you can just zip up a grav site send it to someone they unzip it the grav site just works um, you can push a, a, a grav site into source control you can set it up so um, you know you you can make a commit to your repository and then you can set up a post hook that will automatically notify your live site to pull from the repository and it'll pull it down and and your live site will be you know kept in sync with your development or staging servers so you know managing that kind of a, um, a workflow is really easy with with grab and really flexible you can i mean you don't have to use source control you can use dropbox or anything like that anything that deals with files um you can use well let's
0: say uh, okay. uh that's a major major pain point for for some of these older systems, mm-hmm. um, we do a lot of uh, Drupal training, for example, uh, Joomla, WordPress. And whenever I get the question, well, how do you set up uh, uh, a test and development and live environment? I kind of breathe a heavy sigh and yeah. tell them to sit well, down. It's Yeah, because
1: it's even simpler for the graph side because you don't even need a web server, you can use PHP. Um, you know PHP's um, uh, um, a built-in web server. That's enough to get Grav running. So you could do that, you know, localhost. So all you got to do is have you know, PHP, you know, installed on your machine, um, and you can start to develop uh, Grav. And it's going to run the same as when you push it to production because all the files are the same. Um, so that alone is a huge selling point. Um, it's it is optimized to be very fast. Um, Right from the start of the development process, I had this um, sort of profiling tool running at all times, and I still do. So every single change I'm checking to see if it's you know, going to impact performance, because performance is very important to us. Um, so there's tons of optimizations in there. The, the caching um, you know, mechanisms are um, far-reaching, uh, quite powerful. Um, it's very extensible, so creating extra logic uh, via plugins is very simple to do. We have a package manager that's um, uh, built into it right from the start, and that's accessible via the command line. In fact, you can do e- every single thing from just accessing the file. So you can just FTP to a machine and change a file. Uh, there's no um, um, a database obviously so there's nothing to worry about there so everything's config files pretty much or all the contents in like these markdown files with front matter which is you know similar to some other platforms um, so there's the performance um, there's the flexibility uh, the deployment stuff um, it's it's very lightweight it doesn't have to run on a on a on a high spec you know, machine um, we commonly run it on a five dollar vps and get really good performance from that um so i mean there's a lot of of, of uh, pluses you know you don't have to install things that you don't need for example uh, Grav itself um doesn't need a plug-in to even work but if you want to have some advanced capabilities like, for example, pagination or breadcrumbs, for example, those are plugins, it's not even in the core itself. Um, But they're easy to install, it's just a, it's just a one liner to install them. Uh, The administration UI is a plugin, it's not a part of the core, um, um, a Grav package, because some people don't need it. um, Because they use you know, some kind of uh, you know synchronization to their production server, so they don't need to, to be doing changes on the site itself, on the production site itself, which is a, a really safe way of, of building a website. You know, if you don't have access to the content from the website, then you can't be hacked through that uh, through that UI. So, so
0: how much of uh, how much of your time is Grav taking up these days? You still have Rocket Theme to to mm-hmm. run as well. How much time are you dedicating to moving Grav forward? <sighs>
1: Um, we have, um, it, it's a bit tricky because I have another company called Trilby media, which is kind of the professional services arm for Grav. We do, um, you know, custom projects for clients, uh, that helps, you know, fund the coffers for us to be able to work on Grav itself. Um, and then there's rocket theme. So depending. I mean, it's not a set thing every day, but I'm probably 80% doing Troby and Grav and probably 20% um, running Rocket Theme. Now, and that's not to say that it only takes 20% of time. There is a team that is working on Rocket Theme full-time, but it's probably only 20% of my time. I'm kind of monitoring it day-to-day, but I'm not working on those themes myself anymore. I have much more talented folks than than myself to do that.
0: So, you've had a really quite a career at this point. You've helped launch Exxon onto the web. You've been one of the founders of Joomla, one of the most successful open source platforms around. You've kickstarted the commercial GPL market. Uh, you've founded Grav. Uh, how ambitious are you at this point? Uh, do you have? <laughs> ambitions for Grav to take over the world or are you just no. looking to do something you really enjoy at this point?
1: I think that um, um, uh, Grav has, um, has a bright future ahead of it. Uh, we have big plans for Grav in its next major version. Um, I think that the way that the web is moving, um, the, you know, Grav is a really good platform to, um, to help move in that direction. Um, so, I mean, I hope to be doing more uh, Grav development in, in the future, you know, continuing it, um, improving it, extending the, the community. I think the whole community um, I'm a building aspect of uh, Grav has been really fun and I really enjoy that that part of it um, and we are sort of growing in that uh, you know regard. We're getting mentioned now m- more often in the same sort of discussions when people are talking about WordPress and Drupal and Joomla and other, um, you know, more popular CMSs, you know, grab is getting mentioned there now. So, um, that's really exciting. Um, and I'm going to make sure that that continues, um, as much as possible. And hopefully we can learn from some of the mistakes that other platforms have made in the past. Um, so, Grav is, is a, um, you know, a, a, a popular project and in, in the future, and continues to be something that people want to use because I think that it's, it's a fun project to use, and um, once you've in, done a couple sites in in Grav, it's really hard to switch back to something else because it's just so easy to, um, you know, to customize and 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 to make it your own and 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 to and it can work with you and do things your way rather than you having to do things its way
0: you, you know at the beginning of this conversation i kind of half jokingly called you an og but listening to you now that sounds even more appropriate i guess the the modern approach of so many open source projects these days is to maybe do a massive kickstarter or maybe to uh, go out to Silicon Valley and raise $10 million, uh, $15 million to grow as fast as they possibly can. Yeah. Whereas hearing you talk, you seem to want to grow, grab the old-fashioned way through word of mouth, through a community that's engaged. Yeah, uh, I, mean, that I, think, I mean, I think, I mean,
1: I might be um, biased, but I think that that's the best way to do it. I mean, you can't build an open source project and have it be successful unless you have an active community using your your project um so it just doesn't make sense to do like a big blingy you know marketing extravaganza uh throwing money at it um you know that's not always going to work out and there's definitely been some examples in the past where where it's just been a lot of hype um, I'd rather put my money where my mouth is and actually have something that people use and, and the community grows because the product is good rather than the marketing is good. Um, and I think that, you know, the, it, it's, it, it's a lot of hard work doing it that way. Cause it's, it's an organic process that requires you to put a lot of work in at the start, a lot of work to build a community. Uh, but it's much more satisfying and, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it, it's a, it's a good way to build a solid, um, a project that's healthy right across the board. You know, so it's got a healthy community of users, a healthy community of developers, and uh, a solid core um, of the project itself. Um, you know, it, I mean, it is a hard um, I'm a balance, and there is no no um, guidebook for this sort of thing really you just have to do what you think is right and do it in the best way um, that's right for the project and and I think that the, that the way that I'm um, a uh, grab developed which is it, it's not accidental but I didn't intend on it being a major you know open source CMS player uh, I didn't really plan on that at the start it just sort of happened and I'm just facilitating that at this point you built what you wanted to use. Yeah. And I have, um, you know, people all the time, like, and they' you know, uh, through our Slack chat and stuff. And they'll say to me, um, you know, uh, um, traditionally I would have built a platform myself or, um, you know, the tools that I needed. And I found, um, a grav and I was reading the original blog post that you did where, you know, which I did, uh, explaining about, you know, why I built it. And, um, and they say, that's, that's all of those same things are the, are, are the things that are important to me. So, you know, grab is the perfect fit for me because you basically are, you know, like addressing the, the problems that I have found. Um, I get that quite a lot, surprisingly. Um, so like a lot of other people feel the same way, you know, that I do. Um, and have found the same shortcomings in other uh projects um and you know you know grab ticks all the boxes for them obviously there are people that like those other projects too but um you know for me my is perfect um you know not to say that there's not room for improvement but but it definitely does tick all the boxes that i want it ticked um and i think a lot of other people feel that way too
0: Oh, wonderful. I wish you all the best with it. Um, where can people find out more about Grav and, um, and follow what you're working on?
1: Um, we're really accessible. So uh, there's um, getgrav.org, which is the main Grav website. That's basically the hub for everything. Um, we're obviously on uh, GitHub for Grav itself and all the associated plugins that we've developed. Um, we have a Slack chat room that you can access through the getgrav.org website. We have a, a discourse forum um, that's accessible through the GetGrav website. Obviously, we're on Twitter. Follow us there. Um, yeah, there's you know basically tons of ways to uh, to get in contact, and we're there on those on those um, you know Slack chats and Twitter. You know, I'm I'm responding to people all the time. Um, so we're very Accessible easy to reach if you have questions slack is great place. We have a ton of users in there over a thousand people now um, That are really helpful It's a really fun community that people like to help each other out It's not one of these places where you know, you're gonna feel stupid for asking a question There is People that that come on there every day that have never done any kind of a web development before so um, Yeah, it's a really fun and friendly kind of community Um, so come join us.
0: Yeah, from what I've seen, they'll probably get an answer from you. Probably. You're that heavily involved. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Well, it's uh, been wonderful to talk with you again, Andy. I wish you all the best with with Rocket Theme and uh, particularly with Grav as well.
1: Thanks.